The book of Exodus, chapter 14, preaching a message entitled, From Crippling Fear to Courageous Faith. From Crippling Fear to Courageous Faith, Exodus chapter 14. Experts say there are three responses to an extremely fearful situation. There's the, the fight, flight, or freeze response. Sometimes when you're faced with a fearful situation, you, you fight. Those, those, those dukes come up and everything within you says, I have got to win this. Uh, there's the flight response, which says, I'm getting out of here as fast as I can. And then there's the most common response, and that is the freeze response. Meaning you have no idea what to do and everything within you just goes blank. But there's a way that God wants us to handle every situation in our lives. Whether it's an extremely fearful situation or just a situation where fear has entered into our lives. Look with me into Exodus chapter 14. Just one verse by way of introduction, verse 10. The Bible says, And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. Now, Heavenly Father, thank you for the beauty of the songs that we sang today. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for Jesus. Lord, we're not here, but because of Jesus. Lord, today I pray that now, Lord, you would just use your word, speak to our hearts. Father, author faith and draw us closer to thee. Thank you for the many visitors that are here today. Lord, thank you for every church member. I pray your blessing upon them. But Lord, now we need to hear from you. We've opened up your word, and as we look at it today, I pray that you'd help us. Through the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. About five months prior to Exodus chapter 14, God had begun preparing the children of Israel to leave Egypt. And God, in a mighty and wondrous way, did things that, that we had, he had never seen before on this earth. You've got the ten plagues of Egypt that swept through that mighty superpower. Uh, at the time of the Exodus, Egypt was the domineering country. Uh, they controlled everything. And in many parts, that was because of Israel. It's amazing that Joseph was there, now 400 years prior, but Joseph was there and had saved Egypt and had made Egypt this mighty powerhouse. Uh, but something had changed, and the Bible says that there, there grew up a Pharaoh that knew not Joseph nor the works that he had done. And as a result, Israel became an enemy, and they enslaved Israel, the Egyptians did. And for, for, for a period of 400 years... Uh, they were in that slavery, and now God is bringing Moses to free them. And so prior to, well, again, about five months prior to Exodus 14, God begins to work and destroying the country of Egypt through those ten plagues. And the Bible says in Exodus chapter 12 and verse 29, it was that final plague, kind of the nail in the coffin, if you will. The uh, Bible says, and it came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. From the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the cattle. That night, God does something, and he, he, he kills the firstborn of everything in the land. 
That is the final straw. That's the nail in the coffin. And Pharaoh, in that night, the Bible says there was a great cry in Egypt. Uh, Pharaoh gets up and says, go. You're gone. Get out of here. I never want to see you again. And Israel already prepared because God told him this was going to happen. Their shoes are already on their feet. And in faith, they start going. But it's amazing. They go in faith, but they find favor with Egypt. And all of a sudden, the the Egyptians are giving them gold and silver and jewels and everything they can for the journey. And and now they've been on the road for about a month. They've traveled approximately 270 miles from Egypt, traveling down the coast, and they get to this place that we know as the Red Sea. They've been camped here for about a week. But again, something crazy happens. And somewhere within that month, Pharaoh comes to his right mind. Or better, his anger got the better of him. And he says, what have we now done? And he marshals his army. He gets all of his chosen chariots. And he begins to to make way to find Israel. Now it's interesting to me as you just, you think about these things. Uh, There was a way that Israel could have gone, the Bible says. It was actually quicker to get to the promised land. But but it was the land of the Philistines. And God, knowing that people, knew that they would immediately begin and set out at war. And Israel wasn't ready for that yet. They weren't ready for the battles. They weren't ready for war. Because God knew what was in their hearts. And so he takes them around this wilderness path. But somehow Pharaoh knew which path to take. I don't know how. I wonder if he had spies. I wonder if there were maybe just a couple of Egyptians that followed thereafter and just were were going back to Pharaoh. I don't know, but Israel's been camped here for about a week. And I just kind of imagine that they're, they're enjoying life. They're free for the first time. It's only been about a month since they've been freed from Egypt. And they're having a great time. Enjoying maybe the fishing that's by the Red Sea. Enjoying just a great time. But all of a sudden... The Bible says in in verse 10 of Exodus 14, Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel saw it, they lifted up their eyes, and they were sore afraid. Isn't it interesting, my friends, that God can do so much in our lives. God can work so powerfully, so mightily, over again that period of five months. Egypt is destroyed, Israel is saved miraculously. And yet a trial comes in their life, an immediate reaction is fear. They're immediately scared, they're immediately worried about everything. But there are times before we just go, yeah, Israel, man, they were really messed up. It's good to take note even in our own minds and in our own hearts. How many times has God shown up powerfully? God's shown up mightily. The only way that something could have happened is God just came through for us. And yet the next time we face a situation, we're fearful. Our fight, flight, or freeze response kicks in because of that high anxiety, that high fear. And everything that we've learned goes out the window. Everything that we've seen in our lives and in the lives of others goes out the window. My friends, I want to encourage you today from this passage, I believe that God wants us to move beyond that crippling, freezing fear to courageous faith. 
to move in ways that shows the power of our God and the faith that we have in him. So three things today from this passage that we can learn and how to overcome or how to move from crippling fear to courageous faith. The first thing that we see is I want us to understand today that if we're going to move beyond crippling fear, we've got to recognize that our fear is unfounded. Look with me again at verse 10. And when Pharaoh drew nigh to the children of Israel, I'm sorry, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. During the Great Depression in American history, at some of the darkest days there, there was, people were homeless. People were starving. There were no jobs available for people. The financial markets had crashed, and, and the, the great successes from a worldly point of view, the financial power that we were, all of a sudden came to nothing. It was in these dark days that our country elected Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Now, not a president I support in any way, shape, or form. Uh, a man that really changed America even today where, where we have the effects of the things that he did. But he said something very powerful in his first presidential election. That, that first night that he gets up there on the platform, and he says this at the beginning of his message, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Our fear is unfounded because God has promised us in his word that he's greater than our fears. The Bible says in 1 John 4 and verse 4, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Again, God says in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We've got to recognize that our fear is unfounded. As we look at this passage and we look at the response of the, Egypt, or the Israelites, we see some pretty important things. Uh, I want you to first of all see their fear was unfounded because, can I ask you, where was Egypt? Where was Egypt compared to Israel? They were behind them. You know, so often in our lives, we're so afraid of things that are behind us. Or we're so afraid of our past. We're, we're so afraid of, of things that we've moved beyond. God has freed Israel from Egypt. They're, they're gone. Egypt is something in the past of Israel, and yet they're afraid of their past. They're, they're afraid of, of what's behind them. You know, the greatest church planter in all of church history, the Apostle Paul, had one of the most difficult pasts to overcome. When you look at his life and you just, you see some things before God. You know, he had another spirit in him, but that was not the spirit of God. And he went around persecuting Christians. He went around, the Bible says in the book of Acts, he, he, would, he would seize them. He, he would grab them and throw them into prisons. He was the guy at their trial that would ultimately end up leading them to death. 
And he was whole hog about it. I mean, with, with a zeal, with a fervor that you hadn't seen before, he persecuted the church. You know, people have said he was a mass murderer. He, he destroyed families. And, and when he came into his right mind and he realized that he was actually attacking God, can you imagine the guilt and the pain that he suffered? Thinking that he was doing God's work, in reality, he was doing the work of the devil. And yet Paul had this to say about his past in Philippians 3.13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. If you and I are going to realize that our fear is behind us, it'll help us to overcome that fear. But we've got to realize that. But not only was there fear behind them, but, but look again at this passage. Do you know that not only was there fear unfounded because it was behind them, but they also, it was because they were believing lies. Look again at verse 11. And they said to Moses, here's their response. Here's what they're thinking. Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness? Can I just ask you something this morning? Is it better you're a slave or better you're in the will of God? Is it better that you have very little food and people are dying all around you because you're malnourished because you have nothing than to be freed by the mighty hand of God and move forward for his glory. You know, the, the struggle with their fear was they began to believe the lies. You know, how often in, in our world and in our mind we fear things because they're lies. So often we believe lies in our head that have no basis in reality and that brings fear and that fear cripples us and we don't do anything for the lord we don't do anything in our lives for jesus christ because we're just fearful you know i sit here today and i, I think about the people that that are lost and outside of jesus christ they haven't received Jesus as their personal Savior. God is trying to work in them. They're under the conviction and the power of God saying you need Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. But possibly because of a, a, a past steeped in religion, they're afraid to take that step of faith because they're afraid to let go of the past. But, but if I say yes to Jesus, then that means however many years of my life have been wasted. And that would mean my mom, who, who may have passed away, or my grandparents, who may have passed away in this false religion that offered hope through a works-based salvation. I can earn my way to heaven. I can do enough to get to heaven. And they allow that fear to prevent them from moving forward for Christ and receiving the gift of salvation. Can, can I plead with you today, my friends, if that's you, if you have never received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, then today, make that day of salvation. It's as simple as receiving him, believing that Jesus Christ died for your sins, that he was buried and that he rose again. You know, this passage of Scripture is an amazing passage because Jesus in the New Testament is what's called our Passover. 
Remember that nail in the coffin, that final plague that God did and he, and he killed the firstborn in all of Egypt? Did you know there wasn't one Israelite that was lost? The Bible says that because they, they heeded God and in faith they, they sacrificed a lamb and they took that blood of that lamb and, and they, they dipped a hyssop branch in, into that blood and they, they, they put it over the doorpost of their house and then when that death angel came, Exodus 12 says, he passed over every house that had the blood. You know, and it is amazing. Isn't it amazing to see that Jesus is that Passover? Now, Israel is free from Egypt. The bondage of slavery they're freed from. Why? Because they believed God, they trusted God by faith, and they put the blood over the doorposts. Isn't it great to see? And my friends, that's the same thing. Jesus is that illustration. You will be freed from everything that, that enslaves you. That bondage of sin that you're under, if you will but by faith. But the blood of Jesus Christ allow him to cleanse you from that sin because Jesus Christ came and he died in my place the penalty the Bible says for my sin was death but Jesus came and he died for me he took that penalty and he said father I'll die for him and not for him only but for the sins of the whole world the Bible says and all that will put their trust in Jesus Christ the Bible says shall be saved isn't that amazing? But how many times do we in fear believe the lies that are in our heads? And it cripples us. You see, Israel, they were believing lies. They wouldn't let go of the past that was behind them. And so this is what happens as a result of fear. We begin to speak out in an ungodly manner against those over us. We begin to attack the people that we love. We begin to attack people that are trying to help us. Again, look, look at who they're attacking here in verse 11. And they said unto Moses, Moses, it, was, it would have been better for us had we stayed in Egypt. Moses, this is what we told you. We knew this was going to happen. And they begin to yell at Moses and they begin to attack Moses. And they begin to, to try to argue with Moses on these things. What has Moses done but help them? I mean, I, I know there was a period of time where, where because Moses came in, uh, Pharaoh pushed the, the slavery even harder than he had before. But Moses freed them. Moses, through the mighty hand of God, brought them out. And now they're attacking him as if he's the enemy, as if he's the problem. pain would be prevented if we would but recognize the lies that it's in our past that we're afraid of and see God at work how often do we open our mouths when oh man we should have shut up because we're afraid we're afraid of the unknown we're afraid of what may Bible says in Psalm 1611, thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures 
forevermore. You know, isn't it amazing that when you can see beyond the lies, you can see that the fear is unfounded because it's in your past, you begin to see God. And I love this verse. This is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible because it constantly reminds me that in God's presence, there's pleasures forevermore. And there's fullness of joy. And one of the lies that I believe we, we believe is the lie that we're missing something because of Jesus. We don't get all the fun. We don't get all the excitement. We don't get all the, the joy that's out there in the world. And it's a lie that many Christians believe. And so they live meek, mediocre, weak, mediocre lives because they, they allow sin into their lives. And teenagers leaving the church because they, they think they're missing out on something. Can, can I say to you today, that's a lie. It's hogwash. Because God promised you that at his right hand, in his presence, there's joy forevermore. There's fullness of joy. There's pleasures forevermore at his right hand. Whatever the world may bring doesn't compare to Christ. Because the world's joy or pleasures or happiness brings baggage. It brings pain. It brings misery. It brings difficulty. Because there are consequences for sin. But there's only joy with Jesus. They believed lies. They, they opened their mouths wrongly and attacked Moses. But I also want you to see the reason their fear was unfounded was simply because they looked to man. Again, who did they go to in their time of need? Moses. Now, I know verse 10 says that they cried unto the Lord, but immediately they attacked Moses. Their eyes were focused on man. Bible says in Hebrews 12 that we're to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Every time you look to man to get you over your fear, it will fail. Your spouse is not your savior. Your friends are not your savior. Your pastors are not your, are not your savior. They are but mere mortals that make mistakes. Now Moses hadn't made a mistake here. But do you understand that if you look to man to save you from your problems, you will stay in your problems. Israel allowed their fear to cripple them. A fear that was unfounded because Egypt was behind them. It was not better for them in Egypt. It was a lie. They allowed their mouths to speak wrongly against the man of God. They were looking to man. All of those things you've got to recognize today. That's why your fear is unfounded. You, you cannot come today and, and say, but Pastor Layman, you don't know. You're right, I don't. But I know that God does. And God is greater than anything you'll go through. And God has promised you that if you'll ask him for wisdom, he'll give you wisdom. And God has promised you that he would go with you through the trial and that he would be there for everything. 
You may have messed some things up. You, you may have blown it in life. You may have caused problems that are now crippling you and you're afraid that you can never move beyond. Don't let that fear cripple you. But that's where we are in Israel. They're so afraid. But God says, I don't want you there. Continue looking with me at, at verse 13 now. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. Look again at verse 13. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not. Stand still. You see, we've got to recognize that our fear is founded in order to move from that crippling faith to a courage, or I'm sorry, from crippling fear to courageous faith. And the first thing that we do is we stand still. Now that may seem kind of weird. Isn't that the same as freezing, Pastor Layman? Isn't that the same as, oh, what do I do? I don't know what to do. And... No. No. You see, within that stand still response just powerful in two words there's so much there you see the first thing that we've got to work on in a fearful situation we've recognized that it's unfounded but we've got to calm down because that's what the word stand still means calm down It's, it's an emotional response that's within our minds. It's our emotions that allow our anxiety and our fears to, to win the battle so, so often. And so, and so what did God say? Calm down. You know, it's interesting. Somebody said recently that in the history of telling people to calm down, no one has ever calmed down. And yet God says, calm down. Relax. Well, that's the first thing you've got to do. Calm down. That, that fear is crippling you emotionally and in your mind. You have got to relax. When we react emotionally, we're not thinking clearly. And we are going to make mistakes that will destroy ourselves and destroy our family and destroy others around us. Because we're reacting emotionally. We're, we're reacting in the heat of the moment. Whether that emotion is the fight emotion, the anger wells up. Whether that emotion is a, is a, is a fearful or a freeze or a runaway emotion. Whether it's, whatever the emotion is, you will never be led right by your emotions. Your heart is deceitful, the Bible says. It's desperately wicked. Proverbs actually says that if you follow your heart, you're a fool. I know it's a mantra of our world today. I know that Disney has pushed it for generations. And I know that our world continually says, just follow your heart. Live in the moment. But do you understand something? That's stupid. Because your moments change. Your heart changes. If you didn't know that, look at junior hires. And, and I love this person. And I love this person. And I love this person. And I don't like you anymore because I think you like them. 
And before we laugh at the junior hires, don't forget you were one. Okay? But how often do our emotions change? How often do, because of circumstances and challenges in our minds, we we allow our emotions to get the better of us? But you know what God says? If you're going to move from crippling fear, calm down. Just take a minute. Take a deep breath. This week, the joy of being a principal in a school. Had a a first grader that got mad, because they do. He got mad because the teacher told him to do something, or to not do something that he was doing. And so in anger, he balled up a piece of paper and he threw it at his friend. Now, I'm thankful it was just a piece of paper. Because if it was something a little more, with a little more mass behind it, that projectile, it would have been a different conversation than I had with him. But, but he sat down. What happened? Okay. Breathe with me. Hold it. Do it again. Got through a few of those breaths. Tell me again what happened. And I could understand what happened. And I got the story. We were able to clean up the situation. And he went and he apologized to his teacher and to his friends and to God. And it was good. But you know, when you're emotional, that's the way you are. You can't even speak. And so calm down. But do you understand? Do you understand, though, that within this phrase, stand still, there's more than just calm down. It wasn't just an emotional response to the mind, but in the Bible, this word that God used to calm down, stand still, is also a militaristic response. It's pretty awesome. Go with me to the book of 2 Samuel chapter 18, if you would, please. I just want you to see this. I love this passage. 2 Samuel chapter 18. In 2 Samuel chapter 18, Look at verse 13 with me. The, the story goes that Joab and, and, and Absalom has attacked David. David has fled. But Absalom, listening to some really stupid people, but goes after David. And a battle ensues, and David has said, do not touch my son Absalom. Joab doesn't like that one of David's generals. And a, a man sees that in the heat of the battle, Absalom's hair gets caught in a tree. And he's literally hanging by his hair. This man comes back and he tells Joab what's happened. Joab looks at this this messenger and he says, why didn't you kill him? You had the opportunity. Why didn't you take him down? And this is his response in verse 13 of 2 Samuel 18. Otherwise, I should have wrought falsehood against my own life. For there is no matter hid from the king, and thou thyself wouldest have set thyself against me. That word set is that same word for stand still. It's not just calm down that God is telling them. You know what it's also saying? Prepare yourself. Set yourself. It's that picture in Psalm 1, blessed is the man. That walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. 
You see, it's like that tree. God told us in 1 Corinthians 15, 58 that we're to be steadfast, that we're to be unmovable. It's that same picture. Not only is it calm down, but it's also prepare yourself. It's that militaristic response of you're not just going, I'm calm now. But it's get ready. It's prepare yourself. It's a militaristic response. Because what's about to happen, you need to be ready for. Because Moses said, fear ye not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Here's the challenge. We're afraid. It's crippling us. We need to recognize that that fear is unfounded. In order to do that, we've got to calm down, prepare ourselves, because if we don't do those two things, we will never see the salvation of the Lord. How many times in our lives has God been right around the corner, but because we were so emotional, we were so distraught, we were so whatever it may be, we didn't see him. We didn't see what he was doing. We didn't see the work that, he was, that, that was about to be done. You know, the Bible says, or not the Bible, life says hindsight is twenty twenty. You know, it's amazing what we can learn from our past. It's amazing that, oh, if I would have only known that, I wouldn't have made that decision. You know, how many times in the stock market, all those people of Enron and all the people of even the 2018, the, the 2018 drop, 2018 was a bad year financially in the markets. So many people pulled out of so many things because they were so afraid. They lost thousands and millions of dollars making an emotional response instead of just waiting. But how many times in our Christian lives have we made emotional responses? We destroyed a relationship. We said some things we should have never said. We, we did things we should have never done. But had we calmed down, prepared ourselves, stood still, and then saw the salvation of the Lord. You know, we've got to get into our right minds in order to see the salvation of the Lord. Did you know that there has never been a time in your life, never a moment, never a day, never a situation that God was not fully in control of? Despite what you may think, despite what the news broadcasters may say, our God is still in control. He's not left his throne. He didn't fall asleep. He's not dead. Our God is alive. Our God is ever watchful. And he knows what he's doing. Though you may not. Why did we go the way of the wilderness? Why are we stuck here at this Red Sea? Why is, is Egypt right behind us? Why all these things? God knows what he's doing. Why have you gone through the situations in your life? Why have things not gone the way that they should have? Why did this happen? Why did that happen? You may not know. I may not know. But God knows. He's in control. And he knows what he's doing. But in order to see him, you've got to stand still. Calm down. Prepare yourself. See the salvation of the Lord. Look at the next part. of. The, go back to Exodus with me. Exodus 14. 
Look at the next part of Moses' response. Stand still, see the salvation of the Lord, which he shall show you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. God says, when you stand still, you calm down, you'll be able to see what I'm doing. You're going to realize, I'm going to fight that battle for you. That God says, I will take care of that for you. You don't need to do it. I will fight for you. And then he says, hold your peace. You know, the phrase stand still has a lot to do with the mind. The words hold your peace has a lot to do with our mouths. God says, shut up. It goes back to, remember in fear, we allow our, un, our tongues to be uncontrolled and we just let things fly. You see, when we're able to move from crippling fear to courageous faith, we've learned. Don't speak. God's got this. God's going to take care of this. So we've got to stand still. But then, in order to fully overcome our fear, we've recognized that it's unfounded. We're standing still. Right? We're holding our peace. We're standing still. We're looking and seeing what God's going to do. God's going to fight for us. But we're not done yet. And this last part is so critical. In order for you to overcome your fear, you must move forward. You've got to move forward. Continue looking at this passage with me, if you would, in verse 15. The Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. But lift thou up thy rod and stretch out thine hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians. They shall follow them, and I will get me honor upon Pharaoh and upon all his host, upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh and upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. And the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed or moved and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. In verse 16, in verse 15, right at the end of that, God says, stop coming to me, Moses. I've given you the answer. Stretch forth your rod and tell Israel, go forward, move forward. You see, this is where the faith truly comes in. I can, I can recognize that, that my fear is unfounded. It's behind me. I've been believing lies. I've been allowing my mouth to speak when I shouldn't have. And I was looking to man instead of looking to God. So it's unfounded, but I, I've stood still. I've calmed down. I'm holding my peace. But God says, that's not the end. If you're truly going to overcome that fear, if you are going to move beyond the crippling effect that that fear brings in your life, you have got to take that step in faith and move forward. You have got to go from where you're afraid into the unknown, but knowing that God is guiding and moving forward. I love this account in the Bible. The Bible says that as Moses stood there on the sea and he held up his hands and that rod, the, the Bible says an east wind began to blow. And that east wind blew all the night, the Bible says. And, and 
all the night long. A little bit more of that dry ground was created, and a little bit more of that dry ground was created, and a little bit more of that dry ground was created, and a little bit more of that dry ground was created. You know, God didn't just change the situation in one second. The Bible says he took all the night. But what's interesting is because it was in the morning when Egypt saw that Israel had gone over. Now just bear with me for a minute. There are approximately 2 million Israelites that are encamped around this Red Sea. I don't know about you, but 2 million people take a little bit of time to move. They had been there for a week. Their tents were up. Their, their, their cattle, their animals were there with them. Their children are out playing. They've got a lot of things to do when this happens. Egypt has just come that day. So it's not like, oh, let's get ready to go, people. No, I, I don't believe that they prepared until Moses said, stand still, calm down, see what God's going to do. And he began to hold his hands up. All of a sudden, the people of Israel see what's happening, and they begin to frantically prepare and get things ready. And, and you can maybe see with me, if you will, that a little bit of water moves, and those first people take that step. And there's people right behind them. And the water keeps moving, and they just keep taking steps, and they just keep taking steps, and they just keep taking steps, and they don't go any further than where the water is, but they just keep taking steps. Because it takes a while for two million people to move. You've got cattle, you've got bags, you, you've got carts, you've got so much that is going across this sea. And that angel of the Lord is behind them, he removed, he's behind the camp, he's, he's bringing fear, it's interesting what God will do, he's bringing fear to the Egyptians all the while offering faith in the Israelites' hearts. And they're moving forward, and they're moving forward, and they're moving forward, and finally at daybreak, everybody is across that sea. Egypt sees them, and they immediately begin to start going through that same passageway. And at the moment that the entire army is within that sea, the sea collapses. You get the picture that the sea had to have been wide enough and long enough to get that many Egyptians. You know, Pharaoh didn't bring 600 people to conquer 2 million. There was a host of Egypt. That they, There were 600 chariots, the Bible says, but a lot of people were there. And God wipes out the entire Egyptian army. It's fascinating. Pharaoh actually himself doesn't die. Nowhere in the Bible do you see Pharaoh actually died. It's a falsehood that many of the people will have believed, but Pharaoh goes back to Egypt and he's completely destroyed. He doesn't have a, a child to sit on the throne when he's gone. He has no crops to yield. He's completely impoverished. He has no military to defend if an enemy God has destroyed that nation just as he promised he would do. And in Exodus 14, we see the reason. Because Pharaoh got the glory and thought he was the God of all gods. He thought he was the king of all kings. You know, there's a lot of things that God will share in this world. God shared his only begotten son. God shares his grace. God shares his mercy. God tells us that we're joint heirs with Christ through Jesus Christ. There's so much he shares, but there is one thing he will not share with anyone, and that is his glory, and that is his honor. Those are reserved for him and him alone. 
Pharaoh was destroyed. His army completely decimated because he refused to give God the glory. But don't miss this. If you're going to move from crippling fear to courageous faith, not only do you need to stand still, calm down, hold your peace, but you've got you to move forward. What would have happened if Israel would have just simply waited while that Red Sea was parted? Well, I, I'm just not sure. I, I, I just don't know if I can do this. But what if? Do you know all of those statements are fearful statements? What they reveal is that you haven't seen or recognized your fears unfounded yet. But my friends, I want you to leave here today knowing that you serve a mighty God that is able to do anything in your life. But it requires that you recognize your fear is unfounded. In order to do that, you've got to calm down, stand still. But then you've got to take that step of faith. You must move forward. For that is the solution. Israel would have been nothing had they stood their ground and just said, but I, um, but I, um, I, I'm just not sure if I can do this. You've got to overcome that and start pressing forward for the Lord. Now, I don't know what in our lives needs to change. I don't know what in your life that God is doing, that God is working in your life to say, move forward. It could be the, in the area of soul winning. You know, we're, I'm so encouraged to see people coming out on Saturdays. Yesterday, our soul winning, our gate ministry, we were able to lead someone to the Lord. Not every team got to do that, but there was one team that was able to lead a man by the name of Wilbur to the Lord. Praise God. Do you know you can do that too? Every one of us can tell people about Jesus Christ. But I am... Um, but I'm not sure I've never done that. I know. Don't you think God knows you've never done it? Don't you believe that he's going to give you the faith to continue to move forward? But you know what it takes? You saying, I'll go. Maybe it's in the area of your finances. Maybe you haven't been trusting God. Maybe with all the stock market fluctuations, with, with maybe with everything going on, you're, you're just afraid to step out by faith. You know, we're trying to build a building. We're trying to build this place and, and move forward for Christ. But you know what it takes? It takes the faith of the people. It's not for one person to, to build that building. It's, it's for all of us. Maybe God is saying, hey, trust me with your future and do that today. Maybe it's in the area of restoring our relationship, but I'm afraid of what they'll say. Move forward by faith and restore that relationship. Maybe it's in raising your children. Take that step of faith. Be willing to do what God is telling you to do in your heart. Up until this time in the Red Sea, no Red Sea had ever been parted. No other sea had ever been parted for that matter either. This was uncharted territory. And yet, God used it in a powerful way. Because really, this story, it's not about Israel. It's not about the Egyptians. It's really about our God. And in that our lives, 
It's really not about you. It's really not about me. It's really about our God. And what he wants us to do is move from crippling fear to courageous faith.